Uh, good morning. This is February 10th, 2021. And uh, I feel prompted to uh, address the uh, all of the kind of desperate uh, grasping for vaccination appointments. I've been hearing this here and there, seeing and hearing reports of how um, how the lengths to which people are going to try to uh, get scheduled for you know, first first part one and then part two, and uh, it just occurred to me that uh, there's a lot of uh, commentary in this area um, that involves the Dharma. First of all, let's just name it what it is. It is uh, grasping, that is, to the extent that it is has an element of desperation, um, uh, then certainly it's, uh, it's grasping, it's... Um, what is where does grasping come from? It comes from anxiety. It's kind of a root anxiety. Uh, the the old texts say that uh, grasping or craving is sort of our lot as as human beings that we're wired uh, in this sense. Desire is another word for it. Um, Some of that grasping, in, in some cases, could come out of a sense of entitlement. Um, well, there are the there are the the rules, you know, uh, with respect to age and uh, comorbidities, underlying medical conditions, um, as well as the select uh, occupations that have been designated as priorities, giving given priority for the vaccinations. But now, <clears throat> with respect to age, uh, I heard just, just today, a few minutes ago, that um, children, adult children, are uh, spending hours a day trying to secure appointments for their parents. Well, good. Good. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, just because, though, just because you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your parents, doesn't make it the most noble thing in the world. Um, if, if, let's say, if we were very honest about this, uh, our parents fall in that same um, area of self-identification. Um, I, me, and my. Uh, even if it's not for I, for me, uh, to go to such lengths for my parents um, is is not the most exalted motivation. It's understandable, of course. Yes, if my parents were still alive, uh, I would be trying to help them that, in that way too. I guess it's all in the in the the degree the the proportion of time one spends. Um, so there's this 
this just underlying human condition of anxiety. I think Heidegger, Heidegger said, anxiety is there. It is only sleeping. Its heart beats perpetually through man's being. This is our root anxiety of being and knowing that we will not always be. Um, the, the human predicament of recognizing, well, I keep going back to Dogen, recognizing the certainty of death and the uncertainty of the time of death. Well, the certainty of death, or, or rather the uncertainty of the time of death, has really come into bold relief now during the pandemic. And, uh, and so people are amped up uh, to get their vaccinations. That is, people who, who want to get vaccinations. And uh, so there's a lot of craziness out there right now. Um, it's, it's, and that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic case of competition for limited resources. It's an old story. If we see something as in short supply, then our, our tendency is to want to grab it while we can. It's natural human impulse. It's one that I, I faced uh, at various times in my travels. Um, I remember uh, being in some small town in China, and this would have been oh, 1985, 36 years ago, some place in China, a small town, uh, and we knew that the buses only came through once a day, and uh, that was, it seemed to us, uh, I was with two companions, it seemed to us that the bus was the only um, feasible way to, to get out of that town. We had probably been there to see some caves, some Buddhist caves. I don't remember now. <laughs> but uh, so there we are at this bus stop, at the bu rather bus station, and the bus rolls in. Good bus, modern bus. But then comes the crush of people who want to get on that bus. And uh, it's, quite <laughs> it's quite a test of one's... <sighs> it's quite a test. Uh, when you know that if, you, if they can't get you on that bus, that it's going to be another day in that little town... Uh, which might cause us to miss the next, the next connection and throw off our whole itinerary on this Buddhist pilgrimage. So here we are with the, uh, with the, the natives, <laughs> the Chinese people, uh, pressing at the, at the door of the bus and uh, recognizing that either, I, either we exercise some... Uh, Some real effort um, in competing with these other people uh, to get to get a seat on this bus, or um, we might <laughs> go on 
day after day, that, that if we were to drop back and just wait with, you know, a noble serenity until uh, there, there was a, no others to compete with to get on the bus, uh, that we <laughs> might grow old and die in that little town. Um, so what do we do? We, we didn't throw elbows. Um, that's always an option. Uh, getting what we would consider too aggressive. Uh, but nor did we just hang back as good little Buddhists uh, until uh, our karma ripened uh, to get on that bus. You just find the middle way. Um, that's what Buddhism is often called the middle way. In this case, between t- uh, too much passivity and too too much aggression. Uh, we did make it, well, we made it out because of the beneficence of the bus driver. Uh, he saw us as foreigners, <laughs> it was pretty obvious, and uh, came around, went, uh, went around, mo- somehow motioned us uh, to squeeze in through the window or something. In other words, they were gracious enough to let uh, these uh, foreign devils uh, get on the bus um, before the others, so we owe them for that. It's one of thousands of reasons why I have great sympathy um, for foreigners uh, I encounter and always have had. One more story. Uh, this was more extreme. This was in India uh, a few years earlier, probably 40 years ago, and uh, we were on a train in India, one of the part of the great you know, legendary train systems of India, and uh, we had we had been urged to buy first class tickets, um, not second or third class tickets. Maybe it was second. Maybe we got second class tickets. Uh, which were, you know, incredibly inexpensive. But we knew enough. We had been told, don't get the lowest class of seating. So here we were on these uh, wooden seats, uh, crammed in with a lot of other people. And the train rolls into uh, our destination, the place where we had to get off. But getting off was quite a challenge because there were so many people on the platform all wanting to get in that door, get into our car, that we couldn't get out. None of us could get out. It was, it was maddening. It, we, were, we were just beside ourselves with the, how irrational it was. These, these people at the doorway on the platform, pushing, pushing, squeezing, trying to get in when there was no way to get in. The the car was full. And but they wouldn't they wouldn't back off and allow us to get out of the car because they're too desperate to get into the car. It was it was bedlam. There were 
screaming people in, in the car, babies crying. Uh, we were all just jammed together, pressed together. Finally, finally, thank Buddha, I don't know what happened. I couldn't see, uh, but somehow someone had the sense to yield so that those of us in the car could start getting off. Anyway, uh, not to spin too many yarns now, but uh, it's a real, it's a real predicament uh, when there are this compet- competing for limited resources. There's also the frustration of uh, of, the, of just encountering problems with the websites when we're trying to register for vaccinations. I've heard plenty about that. I've experienced my share of it, uh, where things just they just the, what is it called? Uh, that the system collapses or something. You can't you can't do anything. Um, the feeling of I can't figure this out. Uh, so. What do we do, those of us who recognize the importance of getting vaccinated, not just for ourselves, but as a public health measure, as a public health measure, as a Mahayana uh, motivation for the sake of others as well, for herd herd immunity. Uh, I think of, uh, again, the great Japanese Zen master Dogen, who in uh, one of his writings said the following. This is from a a book called A Primer of Soto Zen, which is a translation of Dogen's Shobogenzo Zui Monkey. This is an old book, 1971. So in it, this is a series of talks that Dogen gave, and this is the 13th century. This is what he said. When one thinks about it, everyone has his allotted share of food and clothing while he is alive. It does not come from thinking about it, nor does one fail to get it because one does not seek for it. And then he repeats a couple sentences later. Each person naturally receives his allotted share in life. He need not think of it. He need not search for it. The allotted portion is there. Even if you rush about in search of riches, what happens when death suddenly comes? Zen practitioners should clear their minds of these non-essential things and concentrate on practicing the way. Well, he, Dogen was addressing his monks in these talks, but the principle is the same. Um, it comes down to faith. Faith in one's karma. Faith and but but not just disengagement. Now, going back to 
scheduling a vaccine, uh, not just passivity, um, but persisting at trying without getting crazy about it. Uh, two of the six paramitas or six perfections, these are the qualities that uh, are needed to come to awakening, but also are developed. These are the six qualities developed through practice. And two of those six are patience and vigor. And uh, these two, we need to find a balance between these two. The patience is the, is the passive side. Uh, the vigor is the active side. And we always want to integrate the passive and the active. Passive is, is maybe not the best word, the receptive or the trusting, the allowing to balance that with the active. Um, and here we have a chance to practice that. Um, yes, uh, plug away at it. Go on, go on your websites, whatever the pharmacies or the New York New York State websites and do it. Do it 10 times a day. But then accept, if you don't get an appointment, accept that that's the way it is. And then keep trying. Here's, here's one more uh, story from India. Uh, this was more recently. Um, well, <laughs> more recently, 1993, um, where I had I was coming back from a, a conference with the Dalai Lama, and uh, and we, my the the uh, two of us, Sante, Paroma, now Roshi in uh, Sweden, he and I found ourselves in a, a hotel room in the Delhi airport, uh, ready to leave the next day, he for Sweden and me for the States. And we learned that Air India had gone on strike. Air India going on strike, I'm told, is not uncommon. But there we were, we showed up the next morning, even though we'd heard it was on strike, you know, you, you have a choice of waiting in your hotel room or going to the airport and waiting. And we learned that there were no flights. But what do you do? Um, someone had told me before, very, before that very trip, someone had said, now listen, this is a pretty worldly guy who uh, achieved a lot in his life. He said, look, if you get stuck somewhere, you holler and scream and you, you protest that uh, they've got to get you on that flight. But I knew that wasn't my style. Um, to do that. But what is my style <laughs> is persistence. <laughs> so what I did uh, all through the night in that Delhi airport was uh, find my way back into this rabbit warren of, of uh, Air India's bureaucracy to this one guy. I found this one guy, I explained to him, uh, I need to be back. Uh, there's a sashin there that, that is already underway, a retreat, I said. 
I'm leading this retreat. This is all true. I'm leading this retreat. It's already started. Please, can you help me find a flight? And he said, oh, yes, sir, I will try to do that. Is going to make all my efforts. Um, and then I retreated, went back to the terminal and sat in these plastic chairs where you can't lie down. But then I would, I would just keep going back. It's like Chinese water torture. Uh, every hour, I'd wend my way back to his desk and say, "Any anything yet? No, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, please be patient." Um, and then the next hour, and then the next hour, and then the next hour. I was courteous. But and then finally, at five in the morning. After a long night in that airport, five in the morning, I saw the buses rolling up and the loudspeaker said, all passengers on this flight uh, need to uh, board the buses where you will be staying in these such and such a hotel for a few days. For a few days. <laughs> and I thought, all right. All right, it's not my karma to make it back to Sashin on time. And just then, this dedicated servant of Air India came running out. As, as the other passengers were boarding the buses, he came running out with a papers in his hand and said, I have you a flight, I have you a flight, I have you a flight. And, um, well... <laughs> that's that's I'll just add that that was the longest the longest flight that the longest day of travel uh it was 69 hours 69 hours between the, the Dalai Lama's palace and the Rochester airport anyway let's wrap this up uh balancing patience and Vigor in the in the form of persistence, and, and this, of course, is applies to Zen practice as well. Um, make the effort. Don't sit back and wait for things to come to you. We make the effort, um, but we do so in a non-grasping way. Well, that's the hardest thing in the world. How do we not grasp when? That's our nature, our human nature. It's not, it's not our best nature, but it's our human nature to grasp at uh, things. Uh, well, that's where, of course, where the practice comes in. That uh, in, in absorption, absorption in the practice we're working on, breath practice, koan practice, shikantaza, right there is how we integrate vigor or the effort and patience so really uh, everything I just said you can forget about as long as you're you're dedicated to the practice you're working on that's all that's you know the Hakuin chant uh, upholding the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from Zazen. It's all distilled in Zazen. We don't have to make a project out of finding this balance. Uh, 
We will find it. It will be found in this no-minded absorption in whatever our practice is. And that, and that means if your practice is, is a breath practice or shikantaza, it just means uh, not being separate from what you're doing all day long. Zen practice, of course, is more than just sitting. Uh, when you're sitting, you do the formal practice, and then when you're out and about the other 23 hours or of your day, then you just notice when the, the mind is wandering and just shake it off. Uh, if your practice is a koan, you come back to the koan while you're washing your hands or while you're shoveling snow. If it's not, if it's breath practice, shikantaza, you just uh, let go of the thought and uh, and do your best to be fully engaged, to be, which means to be present, fully embodied in a present way, to be fully um, presently embodied with what you're doing. All right. Thank you.